This podcast is part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club, a program designed to help all podcasts reach their full potential. For information about joining the Robots Radio Rocket Club, check out robotsradio.net. Welcome back to another episode of Two Girls, One Ship, the podcast where we analyze, rate, and review all that the world of video game romances has to offer. I'm Genesis, the girl who is adding a Cyberpunk 2077 Part 2 to the list of topics for next year. All romances are getting additional dates and hangouts in the patch that comes out on December 5th. What? Hmm. That will be interesting. <laughs> I have to play that. I am Vervada, a girl who was too busy replaying the ending of my first playthrough for Baldur's Gate 3 because they also just got a huge patch and they have restored the epilogue that they cut because they apparently thought it was too long and no one would want it. And I don't know why they thought that because it is exactly what we want. It's perfect if you guys have not finish the game. I'm glad you've waited till this point to get the epilogue. And if you've had finished it already, you should do it again so you can see it. I also am going to go back and replay the epilogue. I was going to, but then I was like, did they fix my kiss? Did they fix my kiss? And no, my male Tav cannot kiss his boyfriend yet. And I'm still very upset. That is very annoying. <laughs> I thought they fixed it. The save I loaded was literally in the middle of fighting the netherbrain, like once you opened the portal and I just saved so I could reload that, kill it, and then see the end cutscenes. So I had already done my final kiss and there was no kiss in the epilogue, which was disappointing, actually. I feel like if you didn't romance people, you got more content in the epilogue than in the romance content, but it's fine because it's a very happy ending, at least for me it was. Uh, my makeout session with Halson was pretty good, though. I reloaded that that save in order to make out with him. I'm happy with that. Anyways, if you're new here, welcome to the beautiful chaos that is Baldur's Gate 3 Tangents constantly. <laughs> but you should know that our podcast centers on character and romance analysis and doesn't shy away from exploring the fun of fucking... Or from the deep emotional connections built between two or more characters using specific in-game dialogue. So if you want to stay spoiler-free, then this isn't the podcast for you. So here's your fucking spoiler alert. Thanks for the spoiler alert, N7. (laughs) And for causing my brain to break earlier tonight when you started thinking of crossover ships like Garrus and Karlak. Right. I was like, Baldur's Gate 3 tangent part two. (laughs) Yes. We'll snip that in the buds so we can get talking to today's topic. Exactly. (laughs) And just like with all of our previous episodes, we'll assume that you have some background knowledge of the game and character in question. But we will be providing context for those of you who may be unfamiliar. Yes, I'm sure a lot of you guys are familiar with this game, but, you know, context is key. And today we are still in Thetis. And like we said, we'll be here for a while. Today, we're talking about someone from Thetis' evil villain country, the Taventer Imperium. (gasps) Shock. The Taventer Imperium is essentially the Roman Empire, even down to the language they use, which is mainly just straight Latin. 
Our lover today is a glorious noble mage, a handsome camp gay with a killer mustache and the flamboyant style you would expect from such a beautiful person. He's got hidden depths, though. Don't just brush him off as the token gay guy. He sure isn't. We are, of course, talking about Dorian Pavis from Dragon Age Inquisition. It occurs to me that I barely know anything about you. Beyond my being a mage from Tevinti, you mean? Beyond that, yes. And beyond my being so charming and well-dressed, which is obvious to anyone. I'm well aware of your finer qualities, believe me. Of course I believe you. The moment I saw you, I thought, there's a man who knows quality. Now, what was I talking about? Ah, yes, me. Thank you, Dorian, for standing somewhere quiet. You, as a digital piece of fiction, may not know it, but it makes my audio heart happy to not have to try and remove any background noises. Stares directly at Cassandra. Okay, this is Dorian time. Dorian is a member of the prestigious House Pavis. Now, to provide some context about Dorian's upbringing within the Tevinter Imperium, we're going to briefly explain some things about the Tevinter Imperium. The Tevinter Imperium is unique amongst the nations of Thedas in that it is ruled by a magical aristocracy. Unlike the others where the mages are distrusted and sometimes outright banned from the nobility, it's a nation where slavery is very much legal and commonplace. The other nations have thankfully done away with slavery, specifically elven slavery, although there are still some human slaves in the empire as well. Yeah, anyone can be a slave, but definitely it's mostly elves. That's not to say that when they're not in the Devinter Imperium that elves are treated well, though. I digress. I don't want to get all soulless on everybody. <laughs> but just in case you are unaware, because they don't make it super clear in the games unless you talk at length to Dorian, and we all did, I imagine, especially for romancing him. But there are three distinct classes of mage in Tevinter. Altus, the top tier of the nobility due to their bloodlines being directly related to what they call the Dreamers, or the mages who first founded the Tevinter Imperium. They have the Latins. Sorry if I'm mispronouncing these. I don't speak Latin. We do have a patron, Apollo, who is a Latin teacher, so maybe he should have been on this episode. <laughs> but they have the Latins, mages with strong magical bloodlines, but not related to the dreamers. And the Praetari, or those families who do not have strong magical bloodlines, but have someone who has a magical ability in the family. Having a mage child into Venter is a meal ticket to the aristocracy, even though the Praetari are looked down on by both the Altus and the Latin classes. So House Pavis is a member of the Altus class. So Dorian is nearly as high-ranking of a noble as you can get in the Imperium nobility. And he has lived in the lap of luxury his whole life, which is why he has such flair and style in present-day Inquisition times. He demonstrated powerful magic from a young age, making him the pride of his family and the envy of his fellow baby Tevinter mages. Dorian struggled in the circles he was sent to as a baby mage, often being too powerful and hurting his fellow students. Eventually, 
His father sent him to a super religious circle run by the Order of Argent, which believed in strict adherence to Andrastian discipline. Plus, it was expensive as fuck! Dorian ran away three months later because his colorful spirit would not be crushed by religious trauma. And then he was discovered in a drunken stupor by Magister Alexius. Yes, that Alexius. Mm. He was once good, apparently. And we know that from the game, too, but it's it's the whole thing. Anyway, so a magister is a member of the magisterium or the ruling senate of Tevinter. They hold the most power of any mage in Tevinter, and a quick path to potentially earning a seat at that table yourself is by apprenticing yourself to one. Alexius offered that position to Dorian, and this is when Dorian and his magic really thrived. After four years of being personally tutored by Alexius, he became a fully ranked enchanter in the Minrathus Circle of Magus. He split his time aiding Alexius with his magical research and polishing his court political skills, participating in lower floor debates, attending balls, and shirking his responsibilities as an heir to the Pavis family and not returning home to his arranged marriage bride-to-be. He told them he wanted to make Senior Enchanter first, but in reality, he was a gay man living in a society that only believed in breeding the next most powerful mage, not leaving any room for a love marriage. Eventually, his little slice of heaven at Alexius's estate ended when Alexius's wife, Livia, was killed by Darkspawn and their son, Felix, was infected with the taint. Without the joining ceremony, the taint is just lethal, killing the infected sometimes within hours, whereas in Felix's case, with a long and painful withering sickness. Dorian spent the following two years trying to help Alexius discover a cure for the taint. But Dorian eventually had a dramatic falling out with Alexius and left his tutelage. He started living a life of debauchery. Well, to stuck-up nobles, it was debauchery. But he apparently engaged in such excess that the scandals over his behavior led his family to abducting him from the house of Lord Ulio Abrexis. Or... Rather, from Abraxius's son's chambers. <clears throat> Dorian was then brought to his family's estate and kept as a prisoner for months, with them trying to finally force his arranged marriage. Dorian once again ran away, this time with not even a single coin to his name, yet vowing never to return. Poor Dorian. There's more to that story that we'll get into a little bit later in the podcast. But this escape brought some shame on his family's name, too. His father was forced to step down from his position as the conciliare for the Archon, or the top mage in the Magisterium. Oh, no. So sorry. I don't, I do not care about Dorian's dad, okay? He can get bent. 
Dorian spent the next two years drifting from one part of Deventer to the next, most certainly getting more of an education into the shortcomings of his country than he previously had known from his life of luxury and wealth. The ironic thing about Dorian is he loves his country, even with its faults, and believes it can be better, even though he, as a person who would undoubtedly make it better, is ostracized by his fellow countrymen. And listen, we can talk all day about the events of Inquisition's quest in hushed whispers surrounding Alexius and Felix and recruiting Dorian. Make sure you recruit him if you know you want to romance him. But we aren't a game guide. What we are here to do is talk about him as a character, as a person, and his family trauma is much more of a part of his character than his reactions to seeing his old friends and the bad future Alexius creates, which all is really important story. So if you don't know it, go play the game. But we're skipping ahead from this main quest to his companion quest. Mm-hmm. That and if you just want to see Dorian physically being a badass, then you need to go watch oh, the yeah. opening of this one. It's good. At least just the cutscene. Go look it up right. on YouTube. Yeah. There seems to be bad blood between you and your family. <laughs> Interesting turn of phrase. But you're correct. They don't care for my choices, nor I for theirs. Because you wouldn't get married. Because you left. That too. Let's go meet this retainer then. I wonder how much my father paid this man to wait around just in case I showed. <sighs> we'll find out soon enough. So eventually, enough Dorian casual flirting happens. And enough main plot point stuff happens that Dorian gets a letter from his father asking to meet a retainer of his. This is the start of Dorian's personal quest called Last Resort of Good Men. This is a required step in solidifying the romance between your Inquisitor and Dorian, and will result in some very illuminating information about the father-son dynamic here. Because, surprise, surprise, it isn't just some retainer waiting for Dorian. It's Dorian's actual father, Magister Halward Pavis. But before we talk to his dad, let's discuss Dorian's standard tarot card, the Magician. The Magician is a card in the major arcana of tarot, and it generally means potential, energy, and the manifestation of one's desires. It represents the meeting of the physical and the spirit world. As above, so is below. And is the conduit between ideas and action. It is exactly what Dorian is. I know that it's like they picked these for a reason. <laughs> this card visually tells Dorian's story as well. All the tarot cards in this game are beautiful, but I really love Dorian's especially well. It shows Dorian facing the viewer, the left side of his face obscured by a very flamboyant cloak collar. There is a symbol of a white flower adorning his collar, and his left arm is holding a tome of magic and a black staff. His right hand is raised, the infinity symbol emanating from his index and middle fingers. A white serpent, its head not visible, winds its body around Dorian's. 
and a golden triangle of light bursts from Dorian's forehead. The overall color scheme of this card is very bland. It's mostly white, with the only hints of black being Dorian's staff and his hair. We can see that Dorian is a good aligned mage character from this image, and the serpent suggests some burden he must carry, or something that constrains him in his life. The image of the serpent and the white flower is something that appears on all three of his possible tarot cards. This card changes to a different one as soon as you finish his personal quest, however. Let's listen to that big key moment in the conversation with his father before we talk about that tarot card. What is this exactly, father? Ambush? Kidnapping? Warm family reunion? (sighs) This is how it has always been. You went through all of this to get Dorian here. Talk to him. Yes, father. Talk to me. Let me hear how mystified you are by my anger. Dorian, there's no need to. I prefer the company of men. My father disapproves. I'll need you to explain that. Did I stutter? Men and the company thereof as in sex. Surely you've heard of it. I've more than heard of it, actually. No. The Herald of Andraste. I am shocked and scandalized. Such sarcasm. You're not exactly subtle, O Lord Inquisitor. I should have known that's what this was about. No. You don't get to make those assumptions. You know nothing about the Inquisitor. This is not what I wanted. I'm never what you wanted, Father. Or had you forgotten? Did I fucking stutter? Ugh. I I love Dorian. Hands down. All right. There are, I'm very biased. <laughs> yeah. I love him so much. Yeah. We try to keep these pretty, like, non-biased, but nope. We stand Dorian way too much. Mm-hmm. In order. I'm human. Sorry. So there are a lot of things to unpack here, but let's start with the obvious. Dorian's relationship with his father is complicated, to say the least. The reason Dorian ran away from his home when his father kept him as a prisoner, trying to force him into an arranged marriage with a woman he didn't like? Yeah, his dad tried to perform a blood magic ritual on Dorian that would have at best made him forget his sexuality and become straight. So essentially, magical conversion therapy? Or at the worst, it would have left Dorian basically lobotomized, worse than being made tranquil. It's ironic because Dorian's father has described blood magic as, quote, the last resort for a weak mind. His father was willing to risk that just to have a son that would continue the magic eugenics program that the Tevinter upper class has going on. So fuck him. Daddy can go fuck off. As the Inquisitor, you can encourage Dorian to try and reconcile with his father. Or suggest that they just leave. Honestly, you can play it either way. There are justifiable reasons to forgive him, or forget him. Dorian is thankful either way for the chance to see his father again. And then his card changes. 
to the Page of Cups. Yeah. Also, fuck his dad. Just want to get that in there, too. Um, the Page of Cups is... <laughs> oh, no. Like, I don't know. Let's just throw him off the parapets of Skyhold and let him freeze to death in the mountains. Something. Anyway, he gets assassinated. Spoiler alert. So he got what he deserved. Page of Cups is one of four page cards. If you didn't know, there are four suits in a tarot deck, just like in playing cards. But they are swords, cups, pentacles, and wands, rather than clubs, aces, spades, and hearts. All page cards are the lowest members of the court in the suit of cards. The knight, queen, and king are all above them. So they have limited power, but have a potential for more, and live a life of luxury. Sounds like someone we know. And the Page of Cups specifically represents a new idea or inspiration that has come to you from out of the blue and symbolizes your creative and emotional self. This parallels quite well with Dorian as the Inquisitor inspires him to actually do something about his homeland's darker aspects, to actually try to fix the problem rather than just be another conscientious objector mage to blood magic, if you think about it. Most good-aligned mages in Dragon Age are identified simply by their opinion on blood magic. What makes Dorian different is he is philanthropic and giving, a man of action and intelligence, rather than just a mage with an opinion. Visually, this card is rife with imagery. Dorian sits atop a gray horse, and its head is pointing directly up and its eyes wide open. Dorian's eyes are cast downward, looking almost lovingly, yet sadly, at his staff, which is now gold, and his magic tome is now black. Curled menacingly around the horse is a snake, its fangs bared and ready to strike at Dorian's head. The snake is black now. And while it's clearly threatening Dorian, he isn't looking at it. What looks violent might instead be petulant. Perhaps the snake represents Tevinter itself, once holding Dorian back, but now angry at his freedom. Instead of being wrapped around him, calm and non-threatening, it's now wrapped around his horse his vehicle for escape, while blackened and angry. His horse might also represent his new purpose, to make positive change for his country alongside the Inquisition, making positive change in the world. And the snake being angry at potentially being affected by this new Dorian. But that's the beauty of art. It's in the eye of the controller. <laughs> it's up for interpretation. And your relationship with Dorian is still up for interpretation too, which is something Mother Giselle saunters her cloister ass over to Dorian about. Look, I like Mother Giselle, but also keep your religious shit out of the bedroom. She thinks it looks bad that the Herald of Andraste for the Orlesian Chantry is... <gasps> possibly engaging in an untoward relationship with an imperial chantry follower. Ugh, gag me with a spoon. <laughs> we say, sashay away, Mother Giselle, and we shall continue biblically knowing our rock star mage. 
an opportunity presents itself to recover the Pavis birthright, something Dorian had angrily sold after he ran away from home, but now wishes to get back, which I think is great. I mean, he loves his family. He loves his country, despite what they do to him. He wants something to remember it by, I guess. It's a romance side quest, so we're doing it. And I think Dorian's reaction to you recovering it, the amulet, is uh, very illuminating. Some of his more interesting depths get revealed. The amulet's important to you. Why would wanting it be foolish? And you went and retrieved it for me. Now I'm in your debt. I didn't do this so you would be indebted to me, Dorian. I did it for you. That's the problem. How is that a problem? Someone intelligent would cozy up to the Inquisitor if they could. It'd be foolish not to. He can open doors, get you whatever you want, shower you with gifts and power. That's what they'll say. I'm the Magister who's using you. Is that all? Go ahead and use me, Dorian. Or are you all talk? <laughs> oh, you are glorious. <laughs> I am apparently an incredible ass at accepting gifts. I apologize and thank you. I'm going to stop before I say something syrupy, but I won't forget this. And I will repay you. Count on it. Mm. <laughs> I love little ones like that. Wait, do you, can you think of one other person in a game that says, I won't forget this to you for romance? Oh, we're not tangenting on Baldur's Gate again, woman. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Actually, I think that line does come up in quite a few romances. But yes, I mean, I obviously heard a story on in my head going, and I won't forget this. Yeah, there's a bunch. Okay. Anyways, no, Dorian. We are sticking to Dorian. Now this clip perfectly summarizes how Dorian has not yet learned what love looks like. Dorian has a very good sense of what he wants in a partner. And he really wants a loving, monogamous relationship. But here is one freely offering a gift. And his first instinct is to feel that it is transactional. Now he owes someone, meaning that they have the upper hand. He is quickly talked down from that line of thinking, but it is hard to unlearn an entire lifetime of this cultural belief. Tevinter is not a loving place. One trope used to craft Dorian is called the gangst, or gay angst. And it's just that Dorian is a pariah in his society, like the actual ancient Roman Empire. Gay love is not done. Want to talk about the Roman Empire? How often do you think about it? Well, back in the not so good old days, gay sex was merely for pleasure. It wasn't frowned upon, but same sex fun times were just meant to be fun and not serious, or have romance or love attached to it. While Dorian's sexuality is an intrinsic part of his characterization in this story, it's not his entire story. He is not simply the traumatized gay mage who ran away from his abusive father. 
He is a mage who is gay, wants to love freely and openly, and who wants his home country to no longer have slaves, no longer practice blood magic, and no longer force people into loveless arranged marriages just to best mage bloodline. So gross. (laughs) So, yes, usually characters in Dragon Age are not defined by their sexuality. But Dorian is. And while some people have in the past, and probably still to this day, look at that as a bad thing, I don't think it is. Because his sexuality informs every other aspect of him for the better. The reason that he leaves to Venter, the reason he wants to make his country better, is because he knows what it's like as a gay man to live in the country and not conform. He wants it to be a safe place for everyone. He's a shining example of an LGBTQIA plus character in modern video games. And I think he's one of the most important ones too. I really, really love Dorian. I'm sure you heard that already if you listened to our episode number 107 with Ben Sabin. Because, you know, we we love Dorian. It's just, how can you not? How can you not? Not only is he extremely charming and wonderful, he's a genuinely good person. But before we get to really loving Dorian carnally, you understand, we need to take a mid-break. So let's listen to some fun facts and hear from sponsors and thank our lovely patrons as per usual. Mid-break dance. Dorian 1000% deserves a Winter Palace Waltz. Boldly and loudly in front of everyone. Him and his man. That's funny because I also had just because when he's when you see him first battling solo in that one cutscene, I just have that audio of like, here comes the hurricane. Katrina, 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 like the voguing audio. (laughs) Yes. Oh, okay. Also, huge shout out to Just for the Halibut for subscribing for a six month block on Twitch. Uh, Thank you. Big hearts made your love. Yay. Okay, so on to Dorian fun facts. The voice actor for Dorian is Ramon Tikaram. T-I-K-A-R-A-M. Also voiced in many other games, and you may know him as Inspector Victor Aziz in the show Pennyworth, Uncle Varnia in The Great on Hulu, and Godric the Grafted in Elden Ring. He's been in a ton of other stuff too, if you look at his IMDb, but I put what I recognized in here. So yeah, he's been in a ton of stuff. Also, if you don't know, Dorian is the first exclusively gay romance in the Dragon Age series, and he was written by David Gator, which is why he's so great, because David Gator's so great. Ever want to come on the podcast, David? You're welcome whenever. Agreed. Gator gave the concept artist the prompt of Rockstar Mage for Dorian, and when he came back looking like Freddie Mercury, he was inspired to write the character himself as a gay man. Which, yeah, thousand percent. I see it. I see it. 
<laughs> it's not just the mustache, but I mean, the mustache helps. Yeah. <laughs> you can look up a interview with David Gator about how much Dorian means to him and how much Dorian means to a lot of people. And I just love, he poured his whole heart and soul into writing this character and it shows. But, um, another fun fact about Dorian. Pavas means peacock in Latin. Literally, that's peacock in Latin. And one trope used for Dorian is actually called Agent Peacock, which describes Dorian, essentially, a campy, vain, usually gay male companion who is also kick-ass at whatever their skill set is. Yep. Uh, also, peacocks are flamboyant and flashy and want to get the attention. So, yeah, it fits. Dorian has appeared in three graphic novels and in all of the Inquisition DLCs. He's in Dragon Age Mage Killer, Deception, and To Winter Nights. Okay, Botify, you are lovely and I appreciate everything. We have gotten up to 162 ratings on Spotify and that just makes my heart sore. I don't know if we can get 40 likes in 30 days, but I think it would kick major fucking ass to hit 200 to start off the new year. Now, of course, we also shout out and show the love to our patrons in the midbreak. Huge shout out, major loves to Toasty and Apollo, Becky and Daddy Bat Knight. Mystheos, Mackenzie, Muffiny Cake, and Win. Yay! Love. I can I can do like well, I was like thinking I could read one of the little lines uh, that I absolutely adored, but we couldn't fit into the script. And that was the okay. So if you have Cole in your party, he says this really sweet thing. If the Inquisitor is in a romance with Dorian, Cole, you're much happier now, Dorian. Dorian. Is that what that light, tingly feeling is? I suppose you're right. Cole. Wishing, but wondering. Wounded and wistful. What if he doesn't want me after? Dorian. But he did. Cole. Now you're smiling. It's good. Oh. Cole, you are so adorable. Isn't he a spirit of compassion? Yeah, he's the best. And sometimes he says things that hurts. Sometimes he says things like this that are just so sweet. But everything he says is so important to the person he's saying it to at that moment. And I love him for that. Yeah. Jen, are you ready to dispense with the chit-chat and move on to something, I don't know, more primal? Yes. <laughs> so, it's all very nice, this flirting business. I am, however, not a nice man. So, here is my proposal. We dispense with the chit-chat and move on to something more primal. It'll set tongues wagging, of course. Not that they aren't already wagging. I suppose it really depends. How bad does the Inquisitor want to be? 
I thought you'd never ask. I like playing hard to get. And now, I'm gotten. And I'm deceased. Same. Oh, how bad does the Inquisitor want to be? This slayer of men is standing behind you and whispers it into your ear. The camera only shows the ear and his mouth, and I am undone. This is just the beginning. The two then begin to make out fully clothed, and it obviously moves to the bed. No subtle implication or a left up to headcanon. They most definitely inquisit each other. Now here is the following conversation that happens in the afterglow. I like your quarters. Do you now? Don't misunderstand. I'm not suggesting we venture into mutual domesticity. I just like your appointments. Ah. Not that I couldn't suggest some changes. Your taste is a little... austere. You seem a little distracted. Sex will do that. It's distracting. I heard a rumor. Very well, you've rooted me out. There is something I want. I'm curious where this goes, you and I. We've had fun. Perfectly reasonable to leave it here. Get on with the business of killing archdemons and such. Tell me what you want. All on me, then. Should it be all on me? <sighs> I like you. More than I should. More than might be wise. We ended here. I walk away. I won't be pleased. But I'd rather now than later. Later might be dangerous. Why dangerous? Walking away might be harder then. I want more than just fun, Dorian. Speechless, I see. I was expecting something different. Where I come from, anything between two men, it's about pleasure. It's accepted, but taken no further. You learn not to hope for more. You'd be foolish to. So let's be foolish. Hard habit to break. I'm good at breaking things. Hopefully not everything. Care to, uh, inquisit me again? I'll be more specific in my directions this time. <laughs> Show off. undone. I am unwell. I don't cry in the afterglow, yet here I am wanting to cry in the afterglow. I'm not even what these men are attracted to, and yet I want to be that man. I want to be the Inquisitor so that way I can be the man that gets to fall in love with Dorian. Dorian speaks to my heart. My mind, my body, 
and my dirty brain. <laughs> it's oh. at the beginning, and the reason that we know that this is round two, three, four, who knows how many, is that Dorian is buck ass naked. And when the camera fades back in from the fade to black, we see him standing there in all his glory. This man has ass cheeks that you could bounce a quarter off of. And mm, mm. he even has those little butt dimples, the little fang, snake fang bites that I just want to do things that I should not say out loud right now. <laughs> <laughs> Gathering. Gathering myself. She's buffering while he's in the buff. Oh, yes. Okay. Um, so he looks over his shoulder and then he starts to turn around and then it pans back over to my naked inquisitor still lying in the bed. And I'm like, really? I know that you aren't going to show it, but I kind of really wanted to see digital dick in that moment. Like... My female Inquisitor's tits are out all the time. Why can't I see some digital dick? But that's a different conversation. The moments that they are sitting on the bed, having this... It starts off light and funny, and they're talking about decorating, and then they're talking about ways to have better sex. And then it goes to this really open vulnerability and it hits you that Dorian wants to learn how to love. And that's what you're there for, is to show him that it's okay. I mean, this scene has everything you could want. It's like super sexy and super romantic, you know? Yeah. Are you still broken? Do you have more thoughts about no, it? No, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Um I'm not I'm not broken. I am redone. <laughs> you put yourself back together again. <laughs> Obviously, yes, to everything Jen said, because yes. But also, this scene is just so beautifully written. It is, for me, a really bittersweet thing to witness Dorian, a man who has had no hope for falling in love, starting to hope. You can see it in his eyes. In the way he moves in this scene, he starts literally facing away from you, hiding behind his very wonderful body that I'm sure he's used many times before, but only for pleasure. He's slightly closed off, but eventually he's sitting on the bed next to you, and he's turning his body towards the Inquisitor as the conversation progresses and he becomes more vulnerable and open. He's willing to risk the heartbreak. I think most of us know what it's like to walk with grief. And while that certainly isn't fun, it means we've loved. Grief is the shadow that love casts, the proof that it was there, and the remnants of love with nowhere left to go. And you can grieve a love that you haven't had yet, the thought of it never existing. It's so beautiful to see that hope bloom in Dorian's chest, to see their love's tentative start. Mm-hmm. More than just hope of a new love has bloomed in Dorian's chest. 
He has a new hope for his country, too. Where before he left to venture to object to its practices, removing himself and trying to forget, now he wants to return and make it better. Dorian has become an activist. He wants to walk the walk with that sexy ass and talk the talk with that glorious mouth. Sorry. <laughs> there is a moment of cult. <laughs> you just got that joke. <laughs> I was going to be like, what that mouth do? Exactly. Advocate for better lives. <laughs> sorry dying okay now there is a moment of cultural cringe with dorian when he is speaking to solace dorian will attempt to awkwardly apologize for what his people did to solace's people the Tevinter empyrean is quite literally built on the bones of the ancient elven empire and its major city of arlathan Arlathon. I know that word. It's Arlathon. Is it? I've heard it both ways. In my head, it's Arlathon. It sounds more elfy, but whatever. It's, you know what we're talking about. Who knows? You know what? Shelby pronounces it Arlathon. So I'm going to yeah. go with that one. I don't know. We need a Bioware like official, like how to pronounce Forvo entry or something. Ooh, that or, you know, I guess we could play the game and see how Solas pronounces it. I bet you he says Arlathon. Anyways. Okay, quick editor's note, I guess. Um, I went back and did go look at the video on YouTube of Solus and Dorian talking about the ancient elven city, and it's definitely Arlathon. So, yeah, there you go. It's That's how they say it in the game. Um... I don't know. It still sounds more elfy to me. Arlathan. I think that's because I was raised on Lord of the Rings. Whatever. It's Arlathan. There you go. I was wrong. Bye. Solus will reply rather astutely that rather than mages meaningless apologies about another empire and things that may or may not have happened in a time well before he was born, Dorian should instead try to fix the real problems in present day Tevinter. I agree. After the events at the Temple of Mithal, where some ancient truths about Tevinter and Arlathon were revealed, Dorian's resolve to change is truly born. What happened at the Elven Temple? It's got me thinking. I should go back, shouldn't I? To Tevinter. Once this is done, if we're still alive, all my talk of how terribly wrong things are back home... But what do I do about it? Nothing. You would just leave. What about us? Trust me, Amatus. It would give me no pleasure to leave your side. You make monumental decisions affecting the entire world. How can I not consider some of my own? Why don't I go with you? Take you away from all this? I can't ask that of you. You don't have to ask. I'm offering. Tempting. We both know you would end up doing it all yourself. As much as watching my homeland beaten into submission would amuse me, this is something I need to do. If that's what you have to do, I understand. There you go. Breaking my heart. This is your fault, remember? You inspired me with your marvelous antics. 
you're shaping the world for good or ill. How could I aspire to do any less? If it means proving that Tevinter can be better, that there's hope even for my homeland, I would do anything. So good. Okay, just real fast before I talk about how awesome this whole thing is, I just wanted to mention something cute. You heard Dorian call the Inquisitor Amatus in this clip, but you may not know that it is Latin for beloved. I know that both of us are suckers for a pet name, and I will never get enough of the ones in this game. I love that they are unique to the culture or language of the love interest. They call you a pet name in their language, in their special way. It makes it feel much more believable and real to me, and I'm sure to anyone else playing this game, too. And at the end of the game, the main game, once Corypheus is defeated... Dorian follows this calling. He returns to Deventer and is apart from his Amethyst for the better part of the next two years until the start of the Trespasser DLC. By then, Dorian's father has been assassinated because Deventer is Deventing, and in this case, it's doing it well. And Dorian is now a fully-fledged magister. He's also an ambassador, much like Josephine, and also like Josephine, he is fully committed to the altruistic lifestyle trying to make the Imperium better from his new seat of power. That's what's so admirable about him, is he has the power to do something and the willingness to actually do it. Like we said earlier, Dorian now wants to both talk the talk and walk the walk, and it now has ways to do it. So he's going to go out there and do it. So even if you've romanced him... Dorian will tell you that he is going to stay in the Imperium for good. And because being gay is not accepted into Vinter, his Amatus cannot join him there. Even though they will be long distance, Dorian is a mage. So he gives the Inquisitor a sending crystal so they can talk when they miss each other. It's revealed in the epilogue that Dorian is spoken of often as a voice of resistance against corruption amid rumors of the Imperium's infighting. He even forms a group with other magisters called the Lucerni, meaning lantern in Latin, to restore and redeem Tevinter. A shining light in a dark place. Before we start our final thoughts for the night, V wanted to make me cry once again. So here we go. Time to be sad, everyone. Leliana told us about what happened with your hand. Why didn't you say something? I could have... I don't know, something. Whatever happens, I wouldn't trade the years we've had together for anything. I love you. I knew you would break my heart, you bloody bastard. There are tears in that man's voice. That's why I wanted to hear it. It's such an obvious love right there. Like, sometimes it feels, even with whatever flowery words are written, sometimes it doesn't feel that genuine. But this is genuine. This is real. Because you can only really be mad and sad and have that much emotion if the opposite 
is true. You have to really love in order to really be hurt by the fact of that love going away. Okay. Final thoughts on the Dorian romance. Oh, it's so totally worth it. Oh my god, is it worth it? (laughs) Yeah, despite that sad audio, it still continues after this. Like, it says even that Amatus, your Inquisitor, will sneak into the Divinity Imperium to visit Dorian a lot and stuff. So, I mean, obviously, you know, your Inquisitor doesn't die. It's just at this moment, he thinks that might happen from the anchor. So, but I just loved that emotion in his voice. Overall, I think that the Dorian romance is an amazing romance for anyone to really experience. And even if you're like, I don't have a penis. I'm never going to know what it's like to be a man loving another man. But it's something that I think that now seeing a lot of these clips and going through it, I'm going to have a really tough decision between Cassandra and Dorian on this run. Because I don't know which one I'm going to love and appreciate more. Cassandra is great. Dorian is Dorian. And then the bull's still there, so I don't know. <laughs> it's really hard to pick. They're all so well done. I will say just with a caveat, if you are playing on a PC and with mods, do not mod Dorian to be romanceable by a female Inquisitor. I don't agree with that. For any romance option that has a designated sexual identity, um, but it's especially insidious for Dorian, whose sexuality plays such an important part of his story. I don't even know how you can do it that way without breaking his whole companion quests and stuff. Like, it feels very wrong to me. I think it's I think it's wrong. Just play as a man. Yep. Agreed. Uh, don't mod away his gay. <laughs> you can't you can't pray away the gay. You can't blood magic away the gay. You shouldn't mod away the gay. Yeah, I was about to say, like, in a story with literal, like, conversion therapy in it, you're going to mod his sexuality to be straight. It's sickening. Don't do it, please. It's not just a game. It's really not. Like, what, you're not even getting to appreciate the story, the, the effort, the love put into his character if you ruin it by modding it all away. So don't do it. Don't do it. Take it seriously, like we do. Because art is for fun, but it's also life. It is literally the most important thing. So, and I don't care what anyone says, it really is. Um, what is life without art? Boring and horrible and like cave people. Like, what are we going to have? Even they freaking drew on the sides of their caves. So I don't even want to hear it, actually. Art is forever. Uh, anyway, Dorian. <laughs> Dorian, yes. Um, his romance tarot card. Do we want to talk about that for a second? Do you remember what it visually looks like? Because if. Hmm. I do, if you wanted to tell what it is representing, and then I can describe it. Oh, yeah, yeah. So the Romance Tarot card is is the Chariot, and it is a card of action and making decisions in alignment with your beliefs, channeling your willpower in pursuit of realizing those dreams. And, of course, that is who our Dorian has become, He's going to take the actions into Vinter that are necessary for change. And because that's now what he truly believes in. Yay. 
Yeah, I thought that tied really well into the romance, too, because as you know, Dorian leaves. He goes to the Javinter Imperium to do what he thinks he needs to do. And that is at the cost of being physically together in the same place with his love, his amatus. And that, to him, is worth it. And it is worth it. It's a sacrifice, but his dream is is to have a love. He has a love. And that's what I think is so beautiful about their relationship is it is secure enough to last long distance. Mm-hmm. And it's also secure enough that Dorian can pursue his other dream, which is making his country a better place because it is a great country and also a terrible country. But he thinks it can just be great. And I love that about him. The card itself is gorgeous. It's Dorian with both hands cupped and outstretched towards the card with the black snake very calm looking in one hand and a white flower in the other. You can see the Inquisitor's hand or what I assume to be the Inquisitor's hand on his chest as well. So it's like he's being anchored by the Inquisitor and he's also just like offering both sides of himself. They're together like I think the for me the the snake represents Tevinter mm-hmm. and the flower represents Dorian. It's it's a white flower. It's good, it's innocent, it's pure. The black snake of Tevinter, obviously not, but he has mastered it. That's why it's not about to strike him anymore like it was in his last card. And they're both together in his hands and he's just giving it to the world, basically. He's just so wonderful. I love him so much. He's literally one of the best characters in all of Dragon Age for how good he is. Like, he's not just some, like, sassy gay companion. Like, a lot of people, like, oh, he's just that campy, stereotypical gay guy. He's really not. Like, I, and also, what's wrong with that? He's He's got charisma. He's got that riz, you know? Yeah, I mean, he's got, he does have a little bit of that, but it's also the same along anybody else's character lines. There's the front that I'm going to put up right in the beginning. And then, oh, yeah, behind that layer is who I am. Yeah, there's yeah especially the- growing up into Venter. Like, it's a wonder. It's actually noticeable in his accent, too, that he, even though he calls it like, oh, the little primitive South, blah, 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 blah. I'm so cold all the time. Blah, blah, blah. You know, he does that. But like his accent matches that of people in Ferelden. Like he has he has a received pronunciation, like British accent in reality. And a lot of people in Ferelden have British accents, not the same like mm-hmm. posh one that he has. But if you've noticed anyone else from Tevinter tends to have kind of an unplaceable accent, like his dad, not the same accent as Dorian. It sounds almost Italian which would make sense because Italian is a Latin-based language and they do use some Italian words like conciliare in their structure of their culture. So like he already just by his accent alone is divided from the other Imperium civilians, members, people, whatever. It's interesting. It is. I love like how analytical we could get in just so many different aspects of this game. Also, I wanted to mention when... The dad, when his douche dad and him were having that confrontation where the dad ends it saying, like, this is not what I wanted, kind of just generally talking about Dorian and the situation. And to me, that that line really hit because that's so personal of a line. Like, it, there's so many 
people in the world, in this country that have heard that or something like it from their parents for whatever reason for literally just being gay or some other flavor of I'm not a straight cis person. For Dorian's dad to say that to Dorian, I feel like that was such a good way to connect those people's experiences to Dorian's experience, even though he has all this other stuff going on and he's like a mage and there's dragons and shit. He's still at heart a boy that loved his dad and his dad does not accept him. And he has had to accept that and learn to live without his father's approval. And you can see that he's done that beautifully. Like he has all the confidence in the world. And I think he is hope for people who maybe are still, because we all want our parents' approval and we're not always going to get it. So, yeah. And as a mom, that hurt me to hear his dad say that. Like I, I cannot fathom a world in which I would tell my child, I do not, like who you are i didn't want this for you get your ego out of it that's the other thing it's like your child is an individual you can't make them be what you want them to be let them be who they are and love them anyway yes big time him saying this is not the life that i wanted for you well it doesn't fucking matter dad because this is the life that i chose for me and regardless of like who you are or your upbringing or any of things like that. I think everybody in this world can relate to that. Like, I don't want to live the life that my parents picked out for me. I want to live the life that I am because it's my own decisions. Which is why I love that he has love from the Inquisitor because it's literally like, oh, we didn't even talk about freaking Iron Bowl. If you don't romance Dorian, you see or you don't romance iron bull dorian and iron bull will get together which some people as you heard maybe if you listen to ben's episode that we just did it's got some questionable things in it so me i personally like it i watched the whole video of all the bull and dorian interchanges and stuff like that and i think that they end up happy together i think don't know if it's exactly the type of love that Dorian was looking for. And I don't think that it was the type of love that Iron Bull was looking for. But they found each other and they kind of just made it work. Now, what I kind of planned on doing was having... um, I didn't want to play all of the audio recordings for these conversations... But I was going to have me reading out the Iron Bull lines and have V read out Dorian lines. Just so you can kind of get this sense of why some people don't like some of these interactions. And I just want people to kind of understand where it's coming from. Because I think that you can take it down the route of, whoa, Iron Bull majorly crossed a line there and Dorian is not happy with any of these decisions or go, oh, You know what? Upon reflection, I think that they both enjoyed things. Because that's the line that I go down. I think that they definitely both enjoyed what is about to happen. So, are you ready to role play with me? Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) All right. I think I'll take on the bull lines. Quite the stink eye you've got going, Dorian. You stand there, flexing your muscles, huffing like some beast of burden with no thought save conquest. That's right. These big, muscled hands could tear those robes off of you 
Well, you struggled, helpless, in my grip. I'd pin you down as you gripped my horns, and I would conquer you. Uh, what? Oh, is that not where we're going? No, it was very much not. Sorry, I'm not a voice actor, but also like, ugh. Yeah, I never heard him say that in the game. I don't remember it anyway. Yeah, I, mm, I think it's all in delivery. Uh, because me, I'm like, so mm, I can completely I heard- understand how Dorian would be caught off guard, especially this being out and in public. This is party banter. There are at least two other people with you yeah i'm not sure if you mentioned this but like that's the main issue at first that the dorian and iron bowl pairing has is that iron bowl is very proud and open about his sexuality and dorian has had to hide his he's not not proud of it it's just he is not used to it being an open discussion and also the very specific use of the word conquer coming from a kunari to a tevinter imperium person Culturally, there is a lot of context there. It's probably kind of frightening to hear that, you know, like they've been at war for a really long time. But switching that out for another word. I mean, but Dorian refers to sex as inquisiting. Like what? Like, I don't know if I I have an issue. I think that's like punny because he's the inquisitor. And he's like, oh, you inquisit me? You know what I mean? Like, it's also Dorian. Both of them are naked. They've just had sex. They're about to have sex again. They're on equal footing. It's private in a bedroom. Clearly both consensual. This banter, while in real life, I doubt someone would go like this. Like, like Dorian kind of apparently stink-eyeing at Iron Bull. And Dorian is just like, you know, you're, you're literally a bull. Like, you're just standing there huge and and huffing and an iron bull takes it extremely sexual to the point where if this were mass effect i would say sexual harassment panda you know like there's a clear chain of command here but and so it's like it's out in the open unprompted they're running around with everybody and dorian is taken off guard because he's just like holy shit like we don't talk about bruno i don't know he he might not have been talk like even flirting with bull i don't think he was flirting with bull initially mm, and it, okay. it, it does it does turn that way the thing is is like this conversation Continues. is up for interpretation but also what's not up for interpretation is bull definitely took it very sexual um he initiated it and dorian made it clear that he well, wasn't hold on like I... into that at the moment Right. So as soon as Bull read this, that the situation was yeah. like, that's not that's what important. you wanted. It, he's like, oh, OK, yeah, that's fine. That's very important because Bull's all about consent. That's the thing is Bull's not like being creepy here. He's being himself. And when he re- realizes that, like, oh, shit, like, I'm sorry, you know, I this is just who I am. And like, I'm only interested in consent. That's his whole thing through his his romance. That's he talks about it openly obviously with other party members so like bull is not a bad person here it's just like crossed connections you know what i mean like a huge miscommunication right here 
that made a lot of people think their relationship overall is toxic. But I do think that this this is like an initial banter between them. This is not within their romance already. Although there is some more like iffy convo that happens when they have had relations as well. Because I like these because I think it plays back to the fact that people are like, oh, Bull just like kind of forced him into this relationship. And I don't think so. All right. So here's the next set of lines. Iron Bull. I'm just saying, Dorian, you have this picture of the Kunari in your mind. Like you see us as this forbidden, terrible thing. And you're inclined to do the forbidden. I have no idea what you're talking about. All I'm saying is, you ever want to explore that, my door's always open. You are impossible. This this is... Ugh. Good, I like that energy. Stoke those fires, big guy. <laughs> so Bull says, if you ever want to dance on the wild side, my door is open to you. It's there, it's open, you come if you want to. Yeah, I also can see, like, if Doran's genuinely mad about Bull making these innuendos at him and his anchor is real and then Bull follows it up with, like, yeah, I like that energy. Stoke those fires, big guy. <laughs> like, me as a woman, I'm like, shut the fuck up. You know, like, I just said I don't like it. I don't know if Dorian, act that's the thing, is, like, it's gray. I, I Taking it at face value, I'm kind of like, he's still, he's pushing the envelope a little bit, like, He's making, Dorian's made it clear he doesn't want to flirt openly and Bull continues. So I see the complaints. I I think Iron Bull and Dorian are better romanced by Inquisitors than by each other. I, I don't think their relationship together is bad. It's just, I don't think it's that good. I know you want to talk about this next one. Yeah. So Dorian, about last night. <sighs> Discretion isn't your thing, is it? three times also do you want your silky under things back or did you leave these like a token or wait did you forget them so you'd have an excuse to come back you sly dog if you choose to leave your door unlocked like a savage i may or may not come hmm. speak for yourself <laughs> see you giggled at that <laughs> Well, because it's a dumb boy joke. I'm going to laugh. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, here it's clear that, like, they definitely have, like, an antagonistic kind of relationship. But also it is consensual at this point because he's he came to his room clearly at some point, And he just said he might come again to his room for some some sex time. So I don't know, like. A lot of people really like them together, and I love it when NPCs end up together, if not romance. Like, I love seeing that in games. Mm -hmm. But um, I don't know. It just it does seem like mismatched puzzle pieces just forcing themselves together with these three examples. And then their relationship ends up kind of not great either because Dorian gets kidnapped by Venatori. And then I think Bull rescues him because it says like an unnamed mercenary band led by a Talvashoth warrior, which, oh, wow, who's that? And they left, quote, a trail of freed slaves and dead Venatori in their wake, enabling Dorian to escape. When asked about the Talvashoth in question, Magister Pavis declined to comment. 
So it's like, yeah. yeah. I mean, Once obviously again, that's still, Bull and the Chargers. That's Bull and the Chargers. Yeah. So they rescued him. I don't know if they're still together. I'm glad that he got rescued. But it, at the end of the day, it's still Dorian living as a magister and Tevinter unable to have an open, loving relationship with either the Inquisitor or Iron Bull, which hopefully will change come Dragon Age Dreadwolf. Maybe Dorian has had a lot more influence in the years since or however long it's been. And Tevinter is more open and accepting and less like purebred AKC award dog breeding program. I think we've kind of covered everything now. Yeah, I don't really have like I don't care either way. I think I think I like Iron Bolt. If they want it, fine. I think it's much better when Dorian is romanced by the Inquisitor than when he's romanced by Iron Bolt. Agreed. But, yeah. yeah, I think that's that's also kind. It kind of hurts also because it's like for me, my Inquisitor, like my canon is romancing Bull, and so that means that poor Dorian is single still and that makes me sad but then again so are all of the other companions except for sarah i like to think that he'll find someone he'll have to find someone he's just too beautiful and sweet and wonderful okay we should get together too long about dorian i just looked at the time well i mean and it's dorian of course we were gonna talk long yeah I will point out that if you are best friends with him, like for me, because I was a female inquisitor, I could not romance him, but I flirted every opportunity I got and we were best friends at the end. And he gave me the sending stone too. So we could uh, just keep in connection. So even if he doesn't romance someone, if you're still his best friend, he'll talk to you regularly. And it says, this is what it says in the wiki about that. Those fighting at Dorian's side in Deventer note that he remains in constant contact with the Inquisitor and that these talks give him the strength to keep fighting. Which I love that ending too. Yes. Okay. All right. I feel less guilt about not romancing him because we still be besties. I think that was a good place for us to wrap it up then. If you like what you are hearing, please be sure to leave a review on iTunes or on Spotify and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You can now find me on the Cyberpunk Lorecast with my co-host, Toasty, where we explore the foundations of the past, the state of Night City today, and the news of the future for all things cyberpunk. And the Avengers audio drama dropped today, December 1st at the time of this recording. So please go out there, search it on all of your fi- of your podcatchers, The Avengers, the audio drama. And I am in episode one. You'll find me. Go listen and drop them a rating as well. Uh, you can also find me in our Two Girls, One Ship channel on the Robots Radio Discord. And come give us a follow on all the social medias and on patreon.com slash two girls, one ship. Our theme music was composed by the ever-talented Pipe Man Studios, and our artwork was designed by the esteemed Let's Not. Links are in the description. I am also on the Robots Radio Discord, not in the Avengers audio drama, (laughs) and on our own Two Girls, One Ship Discord server, where we nerd out on all our favorite CGI significant others. Be sure to check out our live streams on Twitch on Fridays at 10.30pm Eastern Time and 7.30pm Pacific Time. Our podcast episodes release on Mondays because you need at least one good thing on a Monday. So thanks for listening. And remember, 
beauty is in the eye of the controller. Vault Dwellers, join me, Jackson, Sassy Lady Rover, Eric, and the Creator Maverick as we take topics from the Fallout universe and discuss them with other diverse individuals. We can be found wherever you listen to your podcast. You can follow us on YouTube. You can also find us on Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it using at FalloutRTD. You can send us an email using FalloutRTD at gmail.com. Join us. The conversation has already started.